Um, the day that I actually almost died was a day where I felt like I had to retaliate. Yeah, that I have to retaliate and, and that that's going to give me peace. And yeah. it's kind of ironic because it does work somewhat for a while. For a while. Eventually it's yeah. going to cost you life. Like it almost did with me. I was very lucky to escape. Welcome to episode four of the ICYA Raw podcast. I'm sitting here with Kent Duick, who has been running this place for 34, Five. 35 years. Not don't, that I'm counting. Don't shortchange them. <laughs> yeah, it's the gold watch, right? I don't <laughs> want to. I don't want to miss a year. Cause exactly, because that gold watch it's, it's coming. Spray painted gold. <laughs> we'll have it ready. Yeah. Uh, episode four is with. Two very interesting staff members. Now, we they're all interesting. We love everybody equally. Some more interesting. <laughs> some are a little... Some have had wilder rides, maybe, on this on this spaceship Earth. And so the two today, Harvey Rempel and Ronald Travers, come from really different worlds. But their life journey landed them in the same world. So Harvey is your basic North Kildonan Mennonite boy. He even has a beard and long hair. Now the beard is okay for the Mennonite boy, but the long hair was his first departure. Perhaps in a bun, <laughs> well, and he'd be okay. <laughs> he'd also be the wrong gender, but you know, <laughs> he could speak Spanish. Is this correct? He can speak well, Low German. Say it. I'm pretty okay for sure. He speaks High German, Low German, and English. I think there might be Spanish in there too because he has a Paraguayan connection. And yeah. he's the only, I remember him talking about going to speak at a church and doing the sermon in low German and thinking, man, the versatility of this guy is something yeah. else. And he's kind of legendary around the North End. Yeah. No, I've, I've literally heard, uh, like he can kind of walk across gang lines and talk with people no matter what sort of uh, gang affiliation they have. Yeah. Uh, he's just really respected. And I've literally heard guys in the community talking about Harvey mm-hmm. and about how he's, uh, you can trust them. And he's somebody you can go to. That's right. And he's a solid. He's a steady. He's been he's been here for years. And last uh, year he took me down to the river where there was a bunch of guys living right next to the river. Uh, some you know homelessness sort of situation and a pretty rough situation. And he had in the group we were walking with. There's about four or five of us. And Harvey had fallen behind, and so I was sort of taking up the lead. And the guy who was who we were coming towards was starting to get, you know, big and like a cat right rising up when there's a threat. Like, who's this coming around us? And it was starting to make me nervous because I'm like, I'm not intending any threat and what to do, what to do. And Harvey comes out from behind me and he sees Harvey and everything changed. And it was, oh, Harvey. And he comes out over and now he wants to introduce us all and, and connect. And I'm like, man, Harvey just is like the bridge, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, of, of, of worlds. No, he wouldn't like us saying this. No, this is true. He doesn't like to be talked about. So we can't let him listen to this one. No. The other person talking today is Ronald Travers, who grew up uh, not exactly in the conservative Mennonite world. No, Ronald grew up in our community, and um, he's a long-time involvement with Indian Indian Posse and uh, sold drugs. And, you know, I'm not talking out of church. He's, He's shared this story. And, uh, and it's good, good to have that as background. And he's made a huge change in his life mm-hmm. and he's walked away from that lifestyle completely. Yeah. And he has, uh, he has a, a deep and, uh, and, um, and profound relationship with Jesus that makes a difference in his everyday life, the way he lives. Yeah. An deep uncompromising respect, commitment to the North End as well. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he will, he, he, you'll see him hanging around with younger dudes who, uh, need somebody to look up to and he's the guy yeah. he's the guy to be looking up to yeah and what's interesting about Ronald is that he is uh he's uh he's well read mm-hmm. and uh and he's well versed in strong opinions all manner of of uh, of topics and I just uh um I often try to kind of do a consult with Ronald when I have something thrown through my head that I'm I'm trying to sort and uh yeah he's uh he's wise beyond his years That's right yeah He's not even in his mid-twenties yet, 
but here you'll hear him talking here about uh, the snitching, which is uh, in the gangs in Winnipeg, which he knows from the inside. He would say that the, uh, the snitching culture that he was very much a part of, uh, he will outright say it's it it hinders us from getting ahead. It hinders the community because when um, really negative things are happening, we can't talk about it. Yeah, and so and Harvey uh, sort of chimes in with his view, which is an outsider who became an insider. So it's an interesting conversation. I think we can look forward to hearing them do their thing. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Ronald Travers, and uh, yeah, I'm from the north end of Winnipeg here. Um, I'm working with Inner City Youth Alive. And yeah, I just want to talk about some interesting stuff today. I'll just let Harvey introduce himself first, and then we'll get into it. Sure. Um, yeah, my name's Harvey, Harvey Rempel. Um, been with Inner Cities Live as a community minister for about 14, 15 years now. And um, yeah, I've been in the North End since 2000 um, and have fallen in love with this community and people here. And yeah, we're going to have a good talk. The conversation that we're going to have today is about snitching. What are we talking about when we talk about snitching? Well, in society, there's this uh, culture of snitching where you may you may have heard it said like, "Stop snitching" or "Snitches get snitches." But you're talking snitches specifically. Snitches get snitches, or snitching is bad. So generally, there's this whole culture that you know we should we should not snitch and that it's a completely bad thing and that we should not do it. Um, more so in um, in ghetto neighborhoods, say like um, the North End here, mm-hmm. um, that's that's a very big thing that uh, people believe in. It's how I was raised. I was, I grew up dealing drugs and stuff like that, and just you know, around gangsters and just living in the North End here. It's, and, a, um, it's something that you see even just driving around, like on street signs, like stop signs. They'll say stop, and then underneath it, somebody will have just added in graffiti like snitching. So it says stop snitching, or you'll see guys wearing T-shirts. Say stop, stop snitching, or in certain certain streams of kind of rap culture and hip hop culture, um, there's songs kind of espousing that whole stop snitching mentality. Stop snitching. So that means do not tell the authorities any information of any sort, right? Well, that's the thing. You see, the whole the whole culture of snitching is actually a pretty vague thing. Like it could mean that. It could mean like stop snitching. It could mean like. Yeah, definitely don't don't rat to the police. Like that's probably the main thing it means. But it's actually a pretty vague, vague and broad term um, that that people apply to many different circumstances and situations in life. And that's what we want to get into today. We want to talk about that that vagueness and kind of start off by just defining what snitching is, and then we want to get into talking about it more. Well, certainly among a lot of guys that are involved in the street life and in hustling and gangs and drugs and stuff like that, or in and out of prison, to be labeled a snitch is is a very, it's like probably the second worst thing you can be. Second next to being labeled a Skinner, probably. Yeah. What's a Skinner? Or, uh, you know, if, if you don't know, you don't got to know. <laughs> like a, a pedophile or somebody yeah, that's, that's, exactly. that's been sexually assaulting kids. But snitching is the second worst thing. So where have you seen it? Where have you seen someone shut down the, the true story to save their butts? One of the things that we're talking about is is that there's different ways that people talk about and understand snitching. So let's say if you're, whatever, you're driving down the street and you see somebody getting jumped by like seven or eight guys and getting stomped out. Well, if you're calling the police to say somebody's getting hurt bad, like is that considered snitching or not? Or if you see an old lady getting assaulted and if you call for help or whatever, is that con- considered, or even if you, you know, talk to the police about that, about what you saw or if you're a victim of something you know, some people are taught that that is snitching, that that is wrong to say anything to the police whatsoever and say you're, um, I think the true definition of snitching, I think is, let's say if you and your friend go rob a store and you get caught and then the cops are like, well, if you give up your name, the name of who you're with, then we'll give you a lighter sentence or something like that. I think that that is actually um where the term originated from and what it actually means, but it's become twisted into something that um, 
people are feel fearful of talking about anything and people get away with a lot more stuff. It actually hurts our community in a lot of ways because people are yeah, afraid like, to voice what they're seeing. There's like this whole just stigma in general about like any type of snitching. Like, like it may not even have to do with authorities. It could be like you can be in school as like a little third grader and you see your friend steal something and then... You know, from there, you'd be able to snitch, too. And it ain't necessarily as bad as being, like, an older person and getting that label. But just in general, there is this whole stigma that goes with snitching. And today, we just want to challenge that a little bit and just really ask the questions, like, is that, um, is, that, is that right? So trying to figure out where the line is between snitching and just yeah. straight telling the truth. Yeah, and then, then there's, like, um, like what Harvey just mentioned. Like, if I were to go do a robbery with my homie, and then we both get arrested, and in order to just pin it all on him, like that's just plain cowardice. That's just plain snitching right there. But other stuff like, like witnessing crimes, like pretty bad crimes, um, and not doing anything about it because you're afraid of that label. Um, yeah, I don't think that's right. I think we should be more concerned about doing what's right than uh, than what people think of us. And um, Harvey actually has a, another example of that. Yeah. Well, just before that, I think I think it's also important to to remember that this comes from somewhere. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. I think it's often, like you were saying, kind of like in different hoods or something like that, but it's often communities that have experienced oppression, that have experienced injustice, where, where there's significant poverty and where there's been people that have been victimized. I think that's often where um, there's uh, mistrust of authority, and some of it legitimate, um, mm -hmm. maybe even all of it legitimate at first or whatever, but it gets twisted into something that it's not. But I, I think, I mean, I remember where I grew up in, in a very different neighborhood than I've been in the last 20, 25 years. You know, if you would see a police officer as a little kid, you'd, you know, wave or you'd run. Sometimes they'd give you like a hockey card or a piece of gum or something like that. Um, and even young kids here, young kids get excited if they say police or whatever, but often when they turn 10, 11, 12 years old, you see a shift in the mentality, and that's part of, partially because of the influence of experiences that they've had and things they've witnessed, but also some of the influence of maybe unhealthy mentalities that, that are being kind of promoted. Um, so, yeah, the one example that I think Ronald's referring to is... Is it the guy in the States? Who, yeah, so uh, I was just watching a documentary of... Um, Someone and, and they were talking to uh, a man in, in the inner city of Miami who grew up in the streets, grew up in gang life and hustling and all that stuff, um, survived it through that and actually had a family. And then on his block, his young son, who was maybe eight or nine years old, was accidentally shot to death by some guys. They were trying to shoot somebody else and he just happened to be on the street and they did like a drive-by and his son got killed. And all of his friends, all the guys he'd grown up with that he'd been on the streets with, they all saw what happened. They all saw who did it, but they refused to talk about it to the police. They refused to let the police know who it was. They refused to testify about it because they thought that that would be breaking the snitching code or whatever and the code of the streets and stuff. And that's when it hit him. He's like, holy cow, they don't actually care about mm -hmm. my family or about justice or about my son. And that's when he was like, forget the streets. I don't want anything to do with this anymore. It was actually a huge, I mean, in many ways, a huge turning point for him, obviously losing his son, but it was a devastating experience. But that's when he started for the first time to question this code of the streets and this mm -hmm. whole kind of mentality of you can't, can't talk, whatever. And, and when you think about it, like different injustices that have happened, whether it's in, in, in our neighborhood here or whether it's within you know, context of colonization and residential schools or in the U.S. or, you know, every city, every region has its own histories with that. It's only when people spoke out against it and when people actually talked about it that mm -hmm. other people could learn about what's going on and could be challenged by it and could stand alongside people yeah. to, to, to stand against it and to call it out. So I think one of the things that we want to invite people to or to challenge people to redefine how you think about snitching um, and to call people to be standing up for what's right and, and telling the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's really the main, 
the main point that we want to talk about today is just because I know this this mindset of like no snitching um, is still very predominant, um, especially in ghettos. And I just think that it could be very destructive if we if we maintain that mindset because evil thrives in that in that type of mindset. Injustice mm-hmm. doesn't happen; it's just injustice. Um, speaking of justice, though. Um, a lot of people think that that's just mainly punishment, but uh, Harvey, if you want to emphasize a little more on just justice, like what what is justice exactly? Yeah, and that's one of the things that um, I've had a chance to explore with different groups of students over the years where um, that have come, have actually taken a whole bunch of students over the years to the law courts to sit in on some trials and to kind of observe our justice system at work. Um, and then we talk about what does justice mean in society, in our culture, um, and right, right, for some people it means about punishment, other people it means, you know, lock them up, throw away the key, um, but when we explore justice as followers of Jesus through a biblical lens, we discover that justice is about setting wrong things right and restoring relationships, right? Yeah, I think that's a very good definition. It's not just about punishment, but restoration and, yeah, making things right. So I, I'm thinking of a guy who talking to recently I remember being with him at a place where he had and he's a guy who grew up involved in gangs for years and and was very immersed in that lifestyle himself that was his dream since he was like a nine-year-old boy to be become like a top gangster and stuff and he did do that he rose to those ranks or whatever and when he got there his own people kind of turned on him and he kind of saw that it was not nearly what he had been made up to be, and he got completely disillusioned by it, but he still had grown up with that mentality. And I was with him once when there was a young woman that he knew of who had just overdosed. Mm -hmm. And he was asking if he could borrow my phone because he wanted to call 911. He wanted to call for help, but he was wrestling internally. Like, he's like, I I don't know if, like, I don't want to be a snitch. I don't Mm want to be a snitch. And and he, in the end, he decided that he was going to call because... You know, possibly that could have even saved her life or, or whatever. But he was still wrestling with it bound by that so room. much, bound by that. Yeah, and that's that's the conflict that uh, a lot of people have that really live by this code. Is like, we don't know. Like when you get in situations like that, like is it wrong? Am I going to be labeled a snitch? I had similar experiences mm-hmm. actually for myself. I actually witnessed a house fire. Um, it's a pretty weird story, but I just I had gotten out of jail in the morning time, and by nighttime I was on the street selling drugs. And so, at that time, I was very much into that like uh, that mindset of like absolutely no snitching whatsoever. But then here I am, I see this lady running out of the yard, and then all of a sudden behind her, the porch starts to catch on fire. And then, um, but anyways, long story short, like eight people died in on fire, I think, and uh, and then so I had the choice of like. You know, being a drug dealer at the time with my some people that I know yeah. who were with me, we had the choice to to be like, well, you know, we just witnessed someone like literally set house and kill a bunch of people. But are like, like, what are we gonna do about it? Are we gonna talk to the police about what we saw and possibly be labeled as a snitch or not say anything? Mm-hmm. And then, and then, really, what is us not saying anything that makes us like yeah. part yeah. of the crime too? Well, you know, it strikes me as, uh, like, I think we are talking about it in the context of North End inner city gang mm-hmm. uh, world, right? But it's funny, when you pull the lens way back, I think every community has its code that it lives by, uh, and it's always incomplete. And that code, it's intended to make life function better or we think it does Mm -hmm. but strict adherence to that code actually runs us into trouble and actually hurts people and it's funny because it hurts everyone hurts everyone yeah Yeah. and so i'm putting it in terms of i don't know the older i get the more i think the main theme that runs throughout all of life is the law versus grace right Mm -hmm. the law uh, which grace replaced you know jesus came to fulfill the law and teach us grace which is essentially god's perfect love incarnate in the world right because every community i've ever encountered anywhere has a law code but it's never the royal law of love it's never grace it's never 
um, all the things that Jesus tries to teach us. It's uh, sort of an abridged version. So like, you know, me and Harvey grew up as conservative Mennonite boys, and there were uh, certain codes that you adhered to. And so one, for example, never talk about anything related to sex. Never talk about sex. And then all of a sudden there'd be a pregnant girl in church, right? Mm -hmm. What happens when there's a pregnant girl in church? Shame, usually excommunication. If they didn't get up and and it was usually on that girl, you know, it was all rained down on her, which anyone who knew the situation would usually know, oh, there's a whole bunch more things going on here. Probably it's, at least one other person involved. At least one other person, probably. <laughs> Odds are good. Yeah. <laughs> but, but she would get basically destroyed because all of us had been adhering to our codes of acting like there's no such thing in the world called sex and then also not dealing with it directly or not talking about it when the thing happened, right? And so a person would get destroyed because we were all real busy adhering real carefully to our law code. Yeah. And, and, you know, grace doesn't do that. Grace brings things into the open and says, you know what? Someone who messed up the law code still gets loved, still gets walked with, gets forgiven, you know? But so whether it's the Christian conservative, whether it's the left right now, you know, like the, uh, the progressive left now has some of the strictest law codes I've seen, uh, again, incomplete, right? The North End's got them, the, the country's got them, the city's got them, and here you just see this one playing out and wreaking its destruction in our, in our local context here. Yeah, and one of the points I just want to reemphasize is or to talk about is like, yeah, like situations are often more complicated than they seem. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, like like this whole topic that we're talking about, like snitch culture, like it is complicated. And I can understand why why some people really wouldn't want to talk about certain things or go to authorities. Like I've, when I was fresh out of dealing drugs and try to better my life, you know, one of the things that I did when I was threatened by um, some rivals of mine we had a long-standing beef with was uh, phone the police and try to tell them about threats that they're making because they're threatening my family's houses. And um, and then the cops start trying to, like, blame me and saying, like, oh, what did you have to do with it? And little did they know that it's a really big step for me to be phoning them yeah. and asking them. And I was telling them, I was like, hey, you guys got to do something or something to do it. And then I, but and by blaming they you, they totally shut it down. You're yeah, never going to yeah. call them again. Yeah, and so, so like, we really got to acknowledge um, Yeah acknowledge that situations are complicated but also like if, if any police are listening to this or any authorities you really like if someone's reaching out to you who's come from like similar lifestyles like me um you got to really like take them up on that call when they do reach out to you and mm -hmm. when they're trying to fight against this current mindset because it's not done flippantly it's not done easily yeah it's yeah. it's taking a lot of courage and overwork overcoming yeah. a lot of and stuff that, to get to that place where you're willing to yeah to where you want to talk about yeah. it and that really to go against like yeah. something significant in your worldview. So to stay on topic here, I want to talk about allegiance, and that's very big on talking with this um, this whole topic of snitch culture because allegiance is very big. You know, we all have an allegiance to something, whether you're a gangster whose allegiance is to your brothers or your brotherhood, or um, to the police. Yeah, like we we have an allegiance and. Allegiance has a cost, is what I'm trying to say. Mm. Um, whether that's to your brothers or to doing what's right. So the you North see, End, the, to the allegiance would be to the gang, you're saying, right? Yeah, a and, and often, often your allegiance to the gang or even just that mindset could be that you don't report things that are clearly wrong, that you mm -hmm. should be, and that actually allows injustice and evil to thrive. And although your allegiance can look out for you and your, your brotherhood, it's actually harming others compared to not, compared to being having an allegiance to what's right. Yeah. And that's that's not even just calling out, that's not simply calling out gang members because you could say the same thing about the cop, right? A yeah. policeman has an allegiance to probably the police department. And uh, we know, you know, from bad cop movies, and then I'm sure some of that's coming from real life, yeah. when they run into their own little law code where they have to choose, is my allegiance to the truth and what's right, or is it to my and my cop brothers who maybe just planted a gun or did something like that? Yeah. And most of the time, police is a, is like their number one code is like watch out for each other. Like yeah. even though your your partner might be in the wrong, and that's also understandable. Like like if a cop were to get arrested in due time, like man, that's like a death sentence, mm. pretty much. But we get that. But also like like when you when you keep that mindset and that worldview. Um, yeah, it also allows injustice to thrive mm -hmm. as well. 
I think I think what you remember you said that earlier. We all we all like justice. We want people to call things out if they're wrong, as long as it's not calling us out ourselves, yeah. right? We, somebody like else else. we all like, like justice, just not done to us. Yeah. Right. Like there that, that's police brutality over there, or that's that's racism over there, but but if it's directed at me, then you're like, oh. Then you should be able to understand my situation and why I did the wrong thing, right? Like ultimately grace is when we do that for everyone, right? When everyone gets understanding extended and you walk an extra mile and you you go the distance with someone who's not from your crew, who you yeah. maybe wouldn't have allegiance to, right? Yeah. But uh, the standard actually is non-grace, which is saying, um, please go, go the extra mile for me, but I will not do that for you. You know, <laughs> if, if it's you, we got to stick to the law. If it's me, I should get some grace, right? And, I, and it's it's understandable why it's difficult because grace is really hard, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I just want to talk about something. Some words that actually Jesus said himself, and um, and I really just think it it emphasizes um, how evil thrives when we're too afraid to speak up and to stand against stuff. And mm-hmm. this is uh, John chapter three, starting in verse nineteen. This is the verdict: light has come into the world. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done inside of God. And that's Jesus talking. Jesus is the light. And really, in this world, we can kind of hide things and and stay in the darkness. And we love darkness lest our deeds be exposed. But... Really, we got to, I'm just saying that I got my view on God and, you know, the eternal. And, and that's that's one of the main motivators for me is to stand up for what's right. Is because I know that, you know, at the end of my life, I'll be standing before God and giving an account. And I just really want to want to hear. I want to hear him say good job, you know, and that I wasn't afraid of what people thought of me. Um, or even the punishment of what's doing what's right. Because, you know, if you... If your allegiance is to doing what's right, then there's still, you know, there's consequences. Cost involved, yeah. There's consequences to everything. And I think, yeah. I think one of the things that I remember heard somebody say once is, you know, our faith is personal, but it's never private. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're kind of pushed right. into being like, oh, your your faith is just that's you, just you and God. But no, it's 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 personal, but it's not private. It it affects. Everything, everything and right. everything around or us and we see the world. Right, exactly. And yeah, how we interact should. with the world. So when we see injustice happening, when we see people being victimized, whether on a individual personal level or in a big systemic level, those are things that we are called out to, to call to challenge or to call out. Um, Here's where it runs into grace, though. Here's the tricky part. Who's to say exactly what is justice and injustice, right? Because often you'll have two people involved in a conflict both saying this is this is true. not just on my side. And they're yeah. saying they're saying opposite things are justice. And I always think like one of the things we run into frequently is that uh, sometimes to solve complex issues of conflict, what's just and what's not just, we would need to have perfect knowledge. Like, we'd have to be omniscient, and we're not. Not really, because we have... God gave us a common sense, and he gave us his word, but also it's like... Like, look, humans are not dumb. Often we try to complicate things just so we can justify some sort of action. But, like, like, like we're able to figure it out. Sometimes we're not able to figure it out, and that's why we have Jesus. That's why we have grace. Because sometimes, like, say say Israel-Palestine, what's the just thing that should happen? Say First Nations, colonialism, Canada, that issue. What's the just things that should happen? Like, there's sometimes an issue is so complicated that we can't clearly figure out what justice would look like, and we can't enact it if, even if we can, right? And to me, that's where we, we, we find ourselves invited into grace which is is saying uh giving up our claim to justice to walk with someone who might have done injustice to us well i think i think we already in a way you kind of answered already like again we have reference to jesus Mm -hmm. jesus died on that cross for our sins that was god fulfilling justice and love 
and there's that balance of yeah. doing both. Yeah, and that verse and, to, and to do justice, to yeah. love mercy, and to walk humbly with for their God. Humbly yeah. means recognizing that we don't always have the right thing or know and, the right thing. Again, that justice isn't just about punishment um, or making yourself feel better. Like like that's what revenge is. Revenge is about making yourself feel better. You got this feeling that you got to get rid of, you know, and you, you're caring about satisfying some feeling. That's what revenge is. And I think that often when we come to topics of, like just huge topics that were referenced there, like, mm-hmm. like often we can confuse justice with revenge and they're not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially not... Biblical justice, yeah, which is in the end of relationships. Yeah, it's restored relationships, and you know, a price being paid for what's done. But how do you how do you do that in love as well? Right. How do you maintain love with the person? Well, and when you when you think about the cross, the cross was actually it was entirely unjust, mm-hmm. right? That you know, the idea that an innocent God dies for the sins of humanity that's that's not just. So, like, God's mm-hmm. justice ends up looking like the opposite of what we would. Like, it looks like grace. It looks like uh, forgiveness. And it looks like, like this, this pouring out of love where none is deserved. And so, to me, there's always a careful thing. When we talk about justice, it's, it's right. You, you have to pursue justice. But you have to go beyond justice to mercy. It's this thing of law and grace again. There's the law code that adhering to it the proper way is just, and it's justice. But beyond that law code is uh, forgiveness and, like, and like, because that, that's acknowledging that it's not us who have it right and you that have it wrong, mm-hmm. right? It's acknowledging that we all, yeah. right? Like, it's easy, you know, like, I was just, you know, thinking of some of these huge yeah. um, WTO protests and different things like that, and you see all the protesters and all the riot police and all that stuff. Well, I mean, it's true that, you know, some of the injustices that are being challenged there or whatever, but you're also called to love the riot police that's right in front of you or whatever, right? And that, that's a lot harder to do probably in those kind of contexts. I mean, yeah, in the context of these law codes, the absolute deal breaker, the things that messes them up is love your enemy, do good to those who hurt you, bless those who curse you, right? The bedrock words of Jesus. Like, it messes up everyone's code. Yeah. Because if someone has no, uh, lived according to my code, I'm still called to find a way to. And there's reasons for that, too. Like, mm-hmm. like you try to live that on in the streets, that was one of my biggest um, mm-hmm. problems when I first dedicated my life to God. It was like, how do you love your enemies, you know? Because them, like, walking away from the fight, it makes you look like a coward. And then mm-hmm. once you get labeled as a coward, too, as well. Like, mm-hmm. man, you're, you're it's easy to get for. victimized, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to get victimized. Like, I used to have this motto. I didn't hear it until a couple years ago, but it's like, it just described me. It's like, peace by strength, you know? Mm-hmm. And most of the violence that I was doing was so that I could have, really, that I could have peace. Mm-hmm. And so that no one can just touch me and just leave me alone because I just want to have my peace. But... But yeah, so it's like, remember, how do you live that out without? That's being, really hard. Yeah, it's it's really counter yeah. to and our nature. Because love your enemies doesn't mean because right now in the context we're living in now, societally, is that we've kind of made it. Um, love your enemies. Love means niceness, being nice. But plainly, throughout Scripture and in the life of Christ Himself, love doesn't mean niceness. Mm-hmm. You know, or even or even actually. To keep it on topic, snitching on someone. Like, yeah. You know, that's not in the cowardly way where, like, you do a robbery with someone and then you just completely fold, you know? No, mm-hmm. but, like, actually, like... Speaking the do, truth about what you've seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah speaking place. the truth of what you've seen. Like, they might they and it's, not think that you love them. That's but right. It's like, but it's ultimately the loving thing that you're doing actually for them and for people beyond them, mm-hmm. right? To, to bring health to a community. But, boy, that involves, like, yeah... It's a complex, it's a, big, it's a complex big situation. Complex. What can we do about snitching? Well, first off, if I hear someone say, um, "Oh, you shouldn't snitch," and I'm like, "Okay, well, what do you mean by that?" Because I want to learn what they mean when they say we shouldn't snitch. Oh yeah. And then that's when you can start the conversation of mm-hmm. challenging that or redefining that. Is is what we and Harvey want to say? Redefining that term, snitching. Um, because yeah, I think it's it's applied way too subjectively where people just want to justify their actions. Even, like, just saying, like, yo, like, like I'm a proud snitch. If it means doing what's right, and then mm-hmm. just give an example of what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I'll reference, like, not being, like, 
I wouldn't say that I'm a proud snitch if I uh, did a robbery with my friend and then get busted and just blame it all on him. Like, no, that's not not what I'm referencing. What I'm referencing is... Right, you're differentiating between... Yeah. Like yeah. a false version of what snitching is and, and a real... Yeah, yeah. And, and and maybe even just labeling myself as like a proud one. And who knows? There might, like, there's a price for that. Thing. Yeah. And people, people might try to stereotype you, but still, you know... You what kind of response do you get when you say that to the younger guys, say guys in their teens? Do you get like a, yeah, get lost, that's ridiculous. It's more of like a shake shake your head response. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we, we talk about it. Like we actually, we talk about what we mean when we say that and then, and then, yeah. Like I'm thinking of a situation a few years ago where one of our young men was shot um, and thankfully, um, he survived, um, but it was very scary. And there was those in his family that kind of had it figured out who they think was responsible for it and who then were going out to look for that person to exact revenge or whatever, and then trying to figure out how to respond in a way that's pursuing truth and also pursuing love, you know, of not want, of trying to respond because I'm hearing about these things ahead of time somewhat. I remember some years ago there was... Um, like a trap house right next to us and then another one three doors down uh, like a, a drug house yeah. where, where people are using and, and selling drugs and a lot of people on our block were very frustrated with it and a lot of people were calling police and stuff like that and then police approached us and approached my family and asked if they could set up surveillance out of our house on, on that house so that they could get the evidence they needed and I, I was like wanting that house shut down but mm -hmm. I also Asked, I said I needed a chance to think about it a little bit because a large part of my role is earning trust and building yeah. relationships and credibility. And yeah, I mean, if if we said everything we saw or knew, I don't know that we'd have anybody that we'd be mm -hmm. connected with. Be, be connected with yeah. um, and trying to figure out how to balance that is, is often, yeah. often and a challenge. I found it helps coming from a humble and understanding point of view. Like, I get why guys, you know, carry weapons on them because they don't feel safe. And yeah. there is times where they do need to protect themselves. Yeah. I get why someone doesn't want to call the police because... They don't always it, do the right thing. Plain and simple, usually it's more than that. Usually it's, if I do the right thing by calling the cops on you because you shot my brother, well, that's making me look like a coward. And mm. that's like, that's a direct insult to me as well. And, and so, so it's almost like if I don't do anything to you because of what you did to my family... You know, then, then, then I'm the coward, you know. Mm. And so, and, and that's that's really how it is around here. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, so again, like doing the right thing, there is a cost. Um, I, I just found it helps coming from, letting people know that I under, understand where they're coming from. Which is, which is an act cost. of grace, right? Like that's a movement into grace. You, yeah. Like you're listening, you're, you're saying, you understand where they're coming from. Doesn't make it, doesn't make it right. Yeah. Doesn't make it okay. But um, yeah. you, you can empathize. Mm -hmm. And that's it's a hard thing to do. It really is. But uh, but also just, I guess, helping people differentiate. Well, what is what is justice and what is revenge? Because they are different. Yeah. You know, I guess some of that retaliation that you might want to do is like really about making yourself feel better. Yeah. Compared to, you know, doing what's right or restoring a relationship. Yeah. Justice yeah. is looking towards a long term good. Revenge mm -hmm. just yeah. feels good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Revenge feels good. Yeah. Justice is looking for. What's good, or at least revenge promises that it'll feel good. Yeah, mm -hmm. feels good right in the moment. Like so many things that end up not being long term and good. And they right. solve anything, then they come back with their boys. That's and then right. They come back, and, and there just... is that there is that weird thing, you know, because like I can think of many situations where being strong or like like say like peace by strength, it actually works. Yeah, but it, it has this escalating yeah thing, like like where you can retaliate and then boom, those guys aren't gonna want to mess with you, right? But then. But then you're going to have come across your next enemy that you're going to have to retaliate. You're going to have to use violence again. Mm -hmm. um, and then it just keeps building up. And then if those guys retaliate, you're going to have to return it even more to and the I, point where you're literally going to have to start murdering each other. This is the history of humanity. You know, it starts with law codes right back to Hammurabi. You know, you, you, you kill my ox, I'll kill your ox. And then it goes, it escalates to the point of if you kill a member of my family, I'll kill, they say at one point it was I'll kill 10,000, you know, I'll kill a whole bunch of members of your yeah. family. And the original law codes were, were putting a limit 
you know what? If someone kills your brother, you can only kill one brother. Mm -hmm. But that's what they consider justice, right? Yeah. And it was it was an improvement. It was something. But then we find out, oh, it doesn't actually work long term. Because eye we, for an eye until yeah. everyone is blind. Right? Blind, yeah. See, that's really what led me back to the Lord too, is because um, the day that I actually almost died was a day where I felt like I had to retaliate. Yeah, that I have to retaliate, and and that that's going to give me peace. And yeah. it's kind of ironic because it does work somewhat for a while. For a while. Eventually, it's yeah. going to cost you your life. Like it almost did with me. I was very lucky to escape. Yeah, but yeah. I remember a few years ago with a couple of groups of guys here that we had built relationships with, and there was kind of an escalating beef, like conflict war. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so these guys were kicking in the door with machetes and bear mace over here, and they were doing that here and chasing each other back and forth. It was just escalating. But because we had a relationship with guys on both sides, we actually were able to have kind of like a sit-down meeting. Intermediator. Yeah. And we, I remember I ordered pizza, another co-worker <laughs> and I, and we... Here at ICOA? Yeah, we picked a neutral spot and we had three reps from one side and three from the other and they kind of tried to have a little bit of rules about it. And again, because we had earned relationships and earned trust with um, leadership on both sides, I'm not saying these are like the biggest, strongest gangs in the city or whatever, but mm. they were, it was real. It was very real and it was escalating and going in a very bad direction. Um, so we talked to them and asked about the idea of having a sit down or whatever, and they both agreed. And hmm. and so three guys from one side, and then I think four from another came. We sat down. One side was allowed to share kind of their grievances and how they saw it, and the other side. And then and then we talked. I said, you know, you know who we are as followers of Jesus. And I said, Jesus said, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. And I said, everybody talks about you know rep the north side, rep the north side. I'm like, like do that, but rep wrap our neighborhood in a way that builds it up instead of in a way that tears it down and um because they're both from the north side right exactly yeah. and and i'm like you know the stereotypes out there of you a bunch of young indigenous gang members that you're going to go until people are dead or in jail i'm like this is your chance to prove people wrong you know and and thankfully there was um some true leadership among some of those guys and and they did they they squashed the beef mm -hmm. and um so that, that they came to an agreement to kind of basically like have a, a truce. Um, mm. It's not like they became best friends after that, but they, you know, would say, acknowledge each other and say what's up. And it, it actually held for a long time. We've had conversations about what happens if some of the younger guys on this mm. side or that, you know, are hot-headed and do something. And then they made agreements how they would talk to myself or my friend who worked with us at the time and like try and keep it in check. And... Um, and I think it was a really cool example for those young men, some of whom now are doing great and, and are have families and, and are working and others of whom are in jail now for even multiple homicides and stuff like that. But it was a powerful experience for them to see that you could do things. Of how things could be, yeah. Yeah, that, that you could just imagine things being different and inviting them and equipping them to discover that and to see that they had actually a say in that instead of just people, you know, involving authorities and stuff like that, but to just invite them to sit down, recognize each other in each other, because mm -hmm. they knew each other. I mean, they lived like two blocks from each other. Probably grew up together, I suppose. Right. So um, I want to see a lot more of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I, I wonder how many, how much beef can be avoided if every, like, group of guys are you know gangsters had had that intermediator that can step in and be like hey man mm. you know this is no good for anyone why don't you guys sit down and at least try to squash it at least try to make a truce is it not the case that sometimes they maybe even want it like sometimes when you're living by a law you, code you do want it like yeah. I, I did want it I didn't want to worry about my house getting smashed up trying to be burnt down yeah. getting shot up I don't want to live like that I want to I want to have peace yeah. and I think a lot of guys want that too but there's a code your pride's on the line Pride, you yeah. know you're Literally, are you a coward or not? Is on the line, um, and, yeah. and so so you got to retaliate. That's what it is. But but if you have that intermediator, um, it's so deep in your identity as like a, who I am is yeah you know yeah. And then I've had beef where like 
man, I don't want to beef, but my friend goes and starts something with someone, and the next thing you know, they know, or I, they know that I hang out, and I'm just roped into it, and then yeah. I've never been one to stand and take disrespect, and so so then, then you're just getting roped back in. Like, literally, I've had wars starting over a bike where, oh. where we're almost killing these other guys, and they're almost killing us, and it's just ridiculous. And I was thankful that we had one big, big-time gangster um, who came and at least tried to start a truth with truce with us, but and it did happen for a little bit. What motivated him, the guy who came in? He just didn't want us killing each other. Hmm. Was he an older guy? Yeah. Yeah, he's an older guy. That's also not good for drug sales. If you have... <laughs> There's that too, I guess. Yeah, yeah. it genuinely is. Like, yeah, if you got a bunch of guys... Um, Fighting. When there's violence and bringing, you know, police and stuff, well, you, you can't make nearly as much money then. Exactly. That's that's also a motivator. You know, the drug trade comes yeah. to a halt if the whole gang's beefing with another gang. <laughs> so weirdly, mm. peace is even an economic benefit in a situation like yeah. that, right? Like even for a country, for a gang, for there, other businesses. I remember a couple of years ago, there was a documentary out of Chicago called The Interrupters, and it was about a whole bunch of... Actually, most of them were former gang members that had a combined... It was cool. They, they saw it as a... Uh, mark of experience and wisdom. I think they said there's a combined like 240 years of incarceration oh. sitting at this table of guys, and they would go out into the neighborhoods in Chicago and try and have talks and and try and promote. They they were peacemakers. They were interrupters. They would interrupt when stuff was going on. And nowadays, so much stuff blows up. Even you know it's communicated through social media, or whatever. And if you can get there in time, um, and and let cooler heads prevail and stuff like that. I mean, often there's vacuums of leadership and vacuums of, um, yeah, of, of, of leadership that's respected, at least. Right. Or, yeah. and so when people are able to step in that have earned some of that trust, trust. and, and, and have, have, have the right to speak into it, um, I'm not saying every time, but I'm saying often that will give people an opportunity to choose a different way Um, and there's stories there's stories of legendary sit-down meetings in Chicago in the South Bronx I'm not Chicago in New York in the South Bronx between the gangs where representatives from dozens of different gangs would sit in and have have meetings and and out of that even some like political um, local political parties and stuff like that emerged because they recognized wow we actually have power and we work together and and maybe we can do it in a way to lift up our community instead of in a way that just tears it down. Because mm-hmm. there's, there's leaders in, in, in our community. And, and I remember the one guy who was at that meeting that I mentioned, um, he's now in his mid-20s and is, um, is doing quite well. And, and he, I remember having a conversation with him a while ago, and he's like, I knew I was a leader, but I just was leading my guys in the wrong direction. And mm-hmm. he's like, now I want to see if I can do it in a different way. Is he doing anything different now? He is. He uh, got his carpentry, like his, he's getting his levels in carpentry, and mm-hmm. his dream is to start his own company one day and to hire a bunch of a bunch of the guys that he grew up with. And um, yeah, and, and invite them in a different direction. He's also, he's become a follower of Jesus. And I remember even a while ago, another guy who had been friends with him back in the day, who just got out of the penitentiary, He's like, yo, I just ran into so-and-so downtown. He's like, he invited me to church. (laughs) (laughs) And he was just laughing. Yeah, no one changes hearts like Jesus. All right, great to hear Harvey and uh, and Ronald and their insights on this. And you know, one of the things that strikes me is the fact that uh, that uh, you know, again, keeping it real. Uh, mm-hmm. Ronald's talking about kind of the the damage that comes from snitch culture, uh, and you know, he was very very involved in in kind of living out that that value. And uh, but now completely switched yeah. and and uh, and has you know not only is again does he have a theory about this. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's disconnected from what he's prepared to do. Mm-hmm. But he—it's uh, not disconnected. It's right? not disconnected. Yeah, right. right. He is—he uh, is—he is wanting to. You know. Uh, yeah. He's—he's he's, um, just 
doesn't allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. If, when he sees something that needs to get called out, he calls it out. Yeah. And Which is not a popular thing to do. Not popular at all, but he does it for the good of his community. Yeah. Yeah, He's, uh, he, he embodies, and he brings it up a lot. Often we come to this thing where we say, you know, at the end of the day, everything we're doing at ICYA in serving Jesus in the kingdom of God is about love. Now, the tricky thing is love, in the day and age we're living, love quickly starts to mean niceness and yeah. warm fuzzies, right? But anyone who has had a kid or who has lived, you know, anyone who who knows what love looks like walked out knows that there's aspects of love that are not niceness. It's the it's the um, holding, helping someone to do the thing they don't want to do or helping yourself or getting someone to help you do the thing you don't want to do. Loving but, somebody enough to give them a message they don't necessarily want to hear. Yeah. But need to hear. Which is that itself is not a popular message right now. It's mostly everyone will find their own way, but everyone finding their own way is an extremely individual, not very community. You know, a community requires we find our way together. And that means I got to give up some of what I want and you got to give up some of what you want. And that makes a healthy community. Yeah. And we have to have a, an internal reflex to say, I actually, uh, I want to, I want to hear that, that thing about the way I'm living yeah. that needs tweaking. And Oof. and that's one of the gifts I've gotten from our community yeah. is that gift that Ronald gives where he speaks the truth in love. Yeah. And I've had that happen for me and I need that. Yeah, he's he, that is the rare thing about a young staff member who will literally say to the bosses the unpopular thing, right? Yeah. He said things that... Um, I would never have said to my bosses. <laughs> yeah, there's relationship though. There right? is. That's right. And we all, uh, we all want to grow yeah. and we all want to be, be better. And, uh, and so, yeah. And, and Harvey of course brings, uh, brings that kind of, um, grace measured wisdom yeah. and long grace. suffering grace. Yeah. Harvey, uh, will be there despite like, man, the people he hangs in there with. When so many people have written that person off, like like family included, and Harvey will still be finding a way to connect. Um, they're an interesting pair, those two. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. And the merging of their messages in uh, in uh, on this topic is it's it's good to see it's good to see that balance and it's gold. Yeah. It's why we love working where we work. So thanks for joining us on episode four. We'll be back soon with more discussions and more talk comes from this community thanks for joining us